Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to Pediapod for July 2020. This month, continuous glucose monitoring during therapeutic hypothermia in encephalopathic infants. of infants with hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy go on to develop long-term disability, despite receiving therapeutic hypothermia. Mounting evidence suggests that children with hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy are at a higher risk of both hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia, which may explain the variable outcomes to therapeutic hypothermia, as these glucose abnormalities are associated with brain injury and adverse outcomes. Continuous glucose monitoring provides a reliable glycemic profile of patients. However, its use in neonatal intensive care units is still limited. In this episode, we meet early career investigator Dr. Paolo Montaldo from Imperial College London in the UK and the University of Campania Luigi Vanvitelli in Italy, who's used continuous glucose monitoring to assess the association between neonatal glucose control and neurological outcome at 18 to 24 months. Here's Paolo. My name is Paolo Montaldo. I work as a neonatal neurology research fellow at the Center for Perinatal Neuroscience at Imperial College London, and I also hold a position as honorary neonatal consultant in Italy. I graduated in medicine at the Second University of Naples, and uh, I undertook uh, clinical training uh, in Naples and also in London at the Great Ormond Street Hospital. I really uh, was fascinated by neonatology and by neonatal neurology. Therefore, uh, I decided uh, to move to UK and specifically uh, to the Center for Prenatal Neuroscience in London to study advanced neuroimaging techniques. In 2017, uh, I was awarded an MRC Doctoral Research Fellowship to explore the potential of new biomarkers for disease stratification and prognostication of babies with neonatal encephalopathy. And I specifically started studying whole blood gene expression. After my PhD, then I started focusing on improving the identification of high-risk infants who develop adverse outcomes after neonatal encephalopathy. And specifically, I focused on finding neuroprotective glucose management strategies. And this is how I started working on continuous glucose monitoring. So for the past few years, you've had a special interest in finding ways of kind of personalizing treatment for hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy. 
Yeah, absolutely. So my research interest is in the development of bedside uh, biomarkers to identify promptly units with encephalopathy who are more likely to have a long-term adverse outcome. In this way, we can uh, personalize the neuroprotection approach uh, for these infants. Is there evidence to suggest then that children born with hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy have abnormal glucose levels? Yeah, uh, there is increasing evidence which shows that neonates with uh, hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy are at higher risk of both hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia. And these glucose abnormalities are associated with brain injury. Unfortunately, glucose monitoring relies on uh, intermittent uh, heel pricks and also uh, repeated blood sampling, which is painful but also has uh, uh, different limitations. For instance, you can have low glucose concentrations temporarily and this is not picked up by intermittent uh, blood sampling. On the other hand, uh, low glucose concentrations may not be detected by intermittent blood glucose monitoring. So in this most recent pediatric research paper, then you wanted to find out if there was an association between the glucose levels of these high-risk children using continuous glucose monitoring and their uh, neurodevelopmental outcome down the line. Yes, exactly. So the main objective was to assess whether there is uh, any correlation between these glucose abnormalities monitoring uh, by using this device and uh, later on the uh, the neurodevelopmental outcomes of these babies. Okay. And this was a prospective longitudinal study based in a, a NICU in Naples, is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So these patients uh, are neonates with uh, moderate or severe uh, neonatal encephalopathy, uh, which are admitted uh, to NICU for uh, therapeutic hypothermia treatment. So according to the uh, standard uh, guidelines uh, all over the world now, in case of moderate or severe neonatal encephalopathy, therapeutic hypothermia for 72 hours has been shown as absolutely effective in decreasing the chance of having adverse outcome later on. But despite that, still up to 30% of infants have long-term neurological abnormalities. And from that glucose monitoring data then, did you see an expected amount of abnormal glucose levels? Yeah, around uh, 70% of babies uh, had uh, uh, glucose abnormalities uh, like hypo or hyperglycemia. So this is quite important because if we had used uh, intermittent blood sampling uh, uh, like uh, what is uh, routinely done uh, in intensive care units, maybe we uh, would have found uh, uh, fewer babies with uh, glucose abnormalities. Yeah, you've just got a higher resolution, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's really helpful for uh, for a clinical uh, point of view. How did those early glucose levels affect the outcomes of these high-risk children at 18 to 24 months? We found that both hyperglycemia and hypoglycemia during the early postnatal period were associated with adverse outcome. And we also found that uh, glucose variability was also correlated with uh, neurological outcome between 18 and uh, 24 months. Is that glucose variability associated with how those infants were treated during their abnormal glucose levels? Yeah, partially is related to how you intervene in case of a hypo or a hyperglycemia. 
Uh, during the study, all the clinical team was blinded to the continuous glucose monitoring. But yes, glucose variability is affected by what you do in terms of how you try to correct hypo and hyperglycemia. Does that suggest that there's a necessity for a finer tuned management of glucose levels in these high-risk infants? I do believe that uh, our future target needs to be to try to keep the glucose variability as little as possible. And we have to uh, try our best to keep the glucose control in the best way possible. The problem is that it's really difficult to intervene, but at the same time not causing much change in the glucose variability. I think we need better tools to monitor glucose levels in babies to achieve our target. Do these results suggest or do you think that early glucose levels in these high-risk children explains the variability in outcome of a population who've received this therapeutic hypothermia? I don't think that uh, our findings uh, can provide uh, an answer, to be honest with you. We don't know whether uh, the reason why there are these uh, glucose abnormalities is because of the brain injury. These glucose abnormalities are causative of brain injury later on. It's really difficult to answer this question basing on this data, unfortunately. I think we we do need further research in this direction. But given what you've learned in this study about the importance of glucose variability and the glucose levels, you know, reaching hyper and hypoglycemia, does it suggest to you that we need to redefine hypo and hypoglycemia in this specific population? I think so. I think so. We base uh, our uh, thresholds for uh, hypo and hyperglycemia on uh, a completely different population of, uh, of infants. So I think we, we need a larger study to understand what is the normality of, the, uh, of glucose levels and uh, glucose concentrations in babies with hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy. Uh, for instance, after brain injury, your uh, uh, blood-brain barrier may be affected, may be damaged, and therefore your uh, glucose threshold for hypoglycemia may be completely different when compared with uh, healthy infants. Your results sound like they advocate the use of this continuous glucose monitoring in the neonatal intensive care unit. I think before the widespread use of continuous glucose monitoring in uh, NICU, we need the further data uh, for reliability also in other uh, conditions apart from uh, hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy, to be honest with you. But I think that they might lead the paradigm shift in units in the future if these data are validated in, uh, in larger studies. There is a take-home message. We know that uh, hypoglycemia, hyperglycemia are potentially modified risk factors. Therefore, uh, I think the, in the short-term future, uh, there must be further research in finding uh, uh, better neuroprotective glucose strategies in, uh, in this specific population uh, to try to optimize the management of these conditions and to improve the outcome of babies with hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy. That was Dr. Paolo Montaldo from Imperial College London and the University of Campania Luigi Van Vitelli. And that's us wrapped up for another episode of Pediapod. But join us again next month for a discussion about interventions for physician distress in paediatric subspecialists. I'm Jeff Marsh. Thanks for listening. Pediapod.